Hello and welcome to Ground Control to Major Mark, a slice of life podcast hosted by me, Mark Shantos. In this episode, I sit down with my club's president, Isaac Regeer, and we talk about the design work we do for NASA via the Micro-G Next Challenge. We talk about how we want to grow the club and what we've been doing in this past year. We also talk about just our personal lives and our personal goals and what Isaac wants to do with his engineering degree and where he wants to go in life. I hope you enjoy this one. Today I am joined by Isaac Regeer. Isaac is a third year, aka sixth semester mechanical engineering student at UNL. Isaac, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. All right. So Isaac, tell me a little bit about yourself. So as, as you said, sixth semester mechanical engineering major. I am majoring mechanical engineering, but I think I'm looking to go into product design. I'm really big into like uh, making like machinist stuff and like welding and woodworking and all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of getting more into like some softer crafts, so like sewing and all that. But I really like product design and I'll probably end up going into that either for grad school or seeing if I can find a job in that. Did you know three years ago that that was your interest or why why UNL and why engineering? Yeah, I didn't know that product design was really what I wanted to do until I got until I, I got a job my like my second semester freshman year um, at a essentially a product design studio helping this guy prototype some wooden sunglasses and then I was like oh and I completely lucked into that job um, just by like a weird confluence of hobbies and skills I had on my resume um, but then I ended up really enjoying that job and I was like wait a second product design is a thing it's like engineering but for stuff that's like a little more aesthetic I like to describe it as like right in between like fashion design and mechanical engineering that's where product design sits <laughs> sure. basically at my freshman year i realized i uh was a little sick of hanging out with only engineering majors and i needed a more creative outlet uh, like because i enjoy the micro g stuff and and the robotics and all that but i was a little sick of just that and i needed something more design oriented because engineering is like creative but it's not really traditionally creative and i needed a more a better outlet of that um, and then I found out product design was a thing. So then I, I started looking into that. And I ended up at UNL because they gave me the most money. So I, I do enjoy the program, though, and I'm enjoying, like, the research stuff uh, that I'm able to do. And I don't know if I would put myself at a different college, especially if I had to pay for it. Product design isn't a thing at UNL. It's a minor. Um, so I'm taking that, and then I'm hoping to kind of branch off when I get into uh, grad school or post-grad. Yeah, I think that um, there is like a lot of creative elements that go into engineering, but it's really more like a lot of it's like specific problems that you have to solve. Mm -hmm. And in a way, like product design is kind of the same way, but it's a lot more like, you know, there's millions of problems. You don't get hired to, to fix a specific problem. Going forward, do you want to, you said you might want to do a master's or like what is your, I guess, goal here? Yeah, so that's been something I've been trying to figure out. I'm kind of right at the prime time where I'm like, starting to need to figure that stuff out a little more and i've had a few options on my mind so right now i work at a research lab at unl and i kind of i do machinist stuff for the lab but they also have like graduate positions that i could take over and then they'd pay for mechanical engineering masters which would be really cool but i don't really want to stay in mechanical engineering if i end up doing like hvac engineering like the stuff that i enjoy is like 
the the NASA research that we do and like if I could get a job at a cool company doing something like that at like NASA or like a, a job at like Rivian or something that's a little more of a challenge overall and less soul sucking it would probably be how I would put it so there's like mechanical engineering on that side that I do enjoy and I'm good at it um, or at least I've, I've been told I'm good at it and like all my my work education experience tells me that but then there's also like product design I enjoy a little bit more and I'm not entirely sure if I'm good at it so I've been looking into that and that I can either if I can get a job right out of undergrad that'd be great but a lot of times you need a portfolio to apply for those jobs so in order to build out a portfolio and have those skills grad school kind of be the way to go and since I have a background in manufacturing I can kind of bring that to a table as a product designer like I know what can and can't be manufactured and a lot of product designers have a problem of designing stuff that can't quite be manufactured so if your designer has that skill set like they can design fully within those parameters whereas when you have a designer and then they pass off a design to an engineer you have to make concessions instead of that being your your first designer being fully informed on that Mm. I, I recently like I've been trying to come up with what I want to do like long-term career-wise besides just like go into those fields for one of my classes I started doing projects on like textile waste we identified like a market niche essentially there aren't any like places where you can buy like recycled clothing that are like consistent it's like sometimes a brand offers like a one-off of like shoes that are made from plastic bottles or something like that but a lot of times it's only like one piece for a brand and it's kind of either proof of concept or performative you can go to like a thrift shop or like a resale store and that's like secondhand clothing and that's probably the best but other than that you're buying new in order for like recycled products to actually be effective in what they want to do like do volume you need to reduce the amount of like regular products so and that's like the opposite of how recycled products are really sold nowadays it's kind <laughs> of like a statement piece really right. which is ironic because then it's not I mean, it is doing something, but what it's doing is negligible right now besides just like putting the idea out there. So the idea that I came up with in my final project for the class was essentially a nonprofit clothing retailer and manufacturer. So the fact that it's a nonprofit, you'd use your benefits from that to offset the higher cost of like making recycled clothing goods because like raw materials for clothes are super cheap. There's like nylon and like animal or plant-based materials. Cotton's super cheap. Nylon is made from oil. Oil's really cheap. You can produce at a high volume. But when you're recycling, you have to take in old products and then have another full step of reprocessing in them back to what you can use as your raw material. So it's inherently more expensive. And since it's not at volume right now, the technology is not good. So what I'd like to do would be like to take the the savings from being a nonprofit, which ends up being like 40 to 50% of your retail price on clothes. Uh, and take that savings and put it into essentially subsidizing the cost of uh, manufacturing recycled goods and then selling them at a price point that would be competitive with like fast fashion, which is like the highest volume. That's kind of been a problem recently is fast fashion is treats clothes as fully disposable goods. We're throwing away quite a lot and we're producing a lot more um, than we're recycling. So we're just like adding into the pile of trash just all at landfills just clothes sitting in landfills mm -hmm. um if that's not really a thing that you can buy like resale would be good but a lot of clothes aren't good for resale either their style is outdated just by the nature of fashion or they're ripped or torn but if you can recycle those that'd be really good for the uh waste streams so if you can process those in a way that would do that you could use their offset cost 
to edge into the fast fashion market where there's the highest volume. Sustainability really is is effective when you're at volume. And right now, like, you know, a sustainable product that's $200 isn't really sustainable because only, like, the rich can buy it and the more expensive it is, the less people buy right, it. Right, right. It's kind of the same idea with, like, meatless burgers, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, like, I don't really care about becoming, like, a multimillionaire. I think having a goal that's not just profit for my career would be good. So, like, getting to the point. And also, I enjoy, like, designing and I enjoy fashion stuff and some, like, product design and they, they kind of mesh in a lot of places. Like, for example, like shoes is probably one that sits squarely in between fashion design and product design. So, like, I enjoy designing that kind of stuff, being a designer, but also having, like, a good goal in mind and, like, not just adding stuff for stuff's sake would be good. It definitely can be done and it can be produced at a, a price that's cheap enough. Like, every time you buy a piece of clothing, a portion of that money is just going to shareholders. So if you have a nonprofit, basically what would be that money is going to the shareholder is basically chopped off the top of your the price of goods. You're subsidizing the goods. As a nonprofit, you need a, a group that you benefit. So the group that you benefit is going to be your consumers in this case. And there, Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Because there, there are like, it's not a big deal. There's not a lot of nonprofit retailers, but it is a thing that you can do. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like if you think like most museums, they're nonprofits, but they run a gift shop and they, they make some money from that. Our like 10,000 villages, um, those like fair trade stores, that's a nonprofit retailer. So there's nothing saying you couldn't have like a nonprofit Walmart or something like that. Like people talk a lot about the efficiency of like for-profit businesses, but there's like that one bit that always kind of gets ignored that it's like at the end, there's always some money. Like they say they're going to do it for the lowest cost because they need to minimize it in order to make any money. But if you don't need to make money, if you're just trying to make it competitive with other goods and benefit your consumers then it's probably going to be more efficient. So is it fair to say that you are fascinated by manufacturing and you are a fashion enthusiast and you are an environmentalist? Would you say that those are all true about you? Yeah, I would say so. That's actually, that's a pretty good description. Okay. Yeah. And is then that obviously is kind of like all those things coming together is kind of what has led to this idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the interest in the environmentalist was there, but I hadn't really analyze the textile waste stuff until I got I took that class and then the fashion enthusiast stuff kind of drew me towards looking at that because I knew a bit about fast fashion um, and I'm always conscious when I'm like getting new clothes like oh, mm-hmm. this is kind of not good right um, so I try to you know shop sustainably but also there's not very many good options especially when you're a college student who's relying on scholarships right right then obviously there's this other side of you you are the president of micro G are you also the president of red teams yeah so so how it works there's a complicated organizational structure that is essentially there to make it so that we don't have so basically members of the club don't have to worry about the organization um Mm -hmm. and any of the bureaucracy and stuff so i am the president of red teams the research engineering and design teams that um uh, rso the registered student organization so i i am in charge of that I would say I think I'm the leader or president of the micro G team. I don't think we'd have like an official election for that because it's just kind of goes. So I run those meetings most of the time. And the the Huskery V is also a part of the, the red teams. And I'd say Ryan runs that primarily. I kind of show up uh, when I can, but I'm, I'm busy with a lot of stuff. But yeah, I would say I'm, I'm the president of red teams and I'm probably the team leader for the micro G research project. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so I'll, first I'll talk about how I got into micro. Yeah. Which is last January. So about like a year ago from I today, remember this actually. Now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just got a big, like an email and in the header was NASA. And that was like all that I needed to catch my eye because I feel like I've always wanted to work for NASA or do something NASA related, but it's kind of gone in waves, you know, like I entered college and I really wanted to work for NASA. And then I focused more on like social stuff my sophomore year. And then junior year, like I was looking for something and that email came at the perfect time and it said NASA and I was like, all right, I'm sold. And I went to the um, meeting and it was really like you, Evan and Trent, who are, I guess, like the big three that have been there the longest in the Micro G Club. And it was really your guys' personalities that sold me on actually wanting to join. So that's how I joined. And now if I could ask you to A, describe what Micro G actually is and then B, how you got into it because you guys didn't form the club which i for like the first like six months thought you guys like started the club so um yeah go ahead yeah so so micro g has kind of been a long-running thing it's the official name i think is like the nasa micro g next challenge or i guess microgravity neutral experiment challenge that's what next is micro g next is the program that nasa runs it's essentially a way for them to aggregate new ideas for design problems that they're not really they don't need to spend all their money on having their full-time engineers come up with a bunch of new solutions for it so they invite essentially guest researchers undergraduates from universities all across the states to submit proposals for a given year's challenge so this year they had some challenges like a sample uh, bag for the the spacesuit so you can put in moon rocks and have them um, isolated and not cross-contaminate or like the coring drill bit that we've been working on for a bit, or like a saver vehicle, which is like a, a water UAV. Uh, I guess not UAV, it'd be a UBV, underwater buoyant vehicle or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> um, but essentially like a, a little rescue pod to go to astronauts when they land back in the ocean to, to meet up with them in case they need aid, something automated. So it's a bunch of projects like this, and the projects change every year. Sometimes they have repeats if they need more ideas. But basically this way that they can sort of recruit new people and get them interested in research for NASA, but also aggregate these new ideas. So like right now, this is like 2024. All these projects are based on the Artemis challenges. So they're pretty far out. And so they're getting all these ideas and then they they give us some money and allow us lab time in the neutral buoyancy lab and test our um, ideas. And if they like it, then NASA takes the idea and runs with it. So there, for example, there's a zip tie cutter that pulls zip ties flush, snips them so there's not sharp edges that can um, injure or uh, break a like EVA suit, like mm. puncture a pressurized right. vessel. Um, and then it will retain the clips because in microgravity, things are going to be floating around. If it can get, if it gets in your equipment, pretty bad. So that was one. I think five years ago and the year after they proposed it, they already had a prototype of that same project that a university had designed up on the International Space Station. So that's what the the Micro G Next program is. So at UNL, the club has recently just became a registered student organization. Previously, it was just a team, a research team um, that didn't need to file formally because we got our funding from the Nebraska, the the NASA Nebraska uh, grant. So we'd get money from them. And previously it was the uh, uh, the air and space research team. Um, and then it changed to nerd teams. So Nebraska engineering readiness and design teams. Mm-hmm. And then most recently it's research engineering and design teams is the name of the club. So 
they've been doing the micro G program for seven years before that. Um, and what the air and space research team was, was uh, research projects in the vomit comet instead of in the neutral buoyancy lab. So the, the simulated zero gravity on an airplane, they would design experiments for those. And so UNL has been doing this for a long time. I think it's probably like 11 years since the program started. Dr. Nelson and um, Dr. Terry have been the, the two advisors. Dr. Terry did it for one or two years um, back in the day, and then Dr. Nelson has kind of been the main advisor since then. So how I got involved with MicroG was when I was a freshman, I came into college really looking for something a little more fun because the engineering classes that I was put in, I wasn't really doing anything mm -hmm. that I thought of as like fun engineering. Like none of the stuff that I'm interested in engineering for, I, I wasn't building anything wasn't really learning cool science at that point it was like okay you're taking calc 3 you're gonna take some uh like a, a general chemistry lab engineering 100 which i was like oh an engineering lab and that turns out it's a class about uh like personal leadership and i felt a little duped on that one <laughs> i was like i want to do something fun and in high school i ran an engineering club so then i i showed up to the rock the block because i was required to for the class and there was free food and you know college students you free canes you're, you're there yeah come on um so then i was i was walking around all the clubs and i i talked to the vex robotics people and i did that in high school and some of my old team members were on the team here um and then i came across the uh the nerd teams booth at the time which is micro g and i talked to them and it was carrick wilson um kenzie and nate borsick who now actually is a graduate student in the lab that i work in and they were talking to us about the talking to me about the club and they said like this is we do these nasa projects this was tested in the neutral buoyancy lab but also we're a club to just like for whatever you guys want to do we'll teach you how to do some engineering things so we did like a 3d printer workshop and did some cad modeling made cookie cutters so i made mine a carrot because i found it deeply ironic and yeah it was I, at the time i had uh what is now husk v that's what i wanted to start i wanted to do the power series racing challenge and basically soup up a little power wheels. So I went to the first meeting and then I got involved in the NASA stuff and I thought it was really cool. So I, I did one of the projects. And then the next year, um, a bunch of the upper leadership graduated or wasn't partaking in the club anymore. And the, the most senior member was very busy. So I ended up, I kind of defaulted into running the meetings my sophomore year. And then uh, Evan and Trent, I just recruited them word of mouth early in that year. And then they were only in it for a semester earlier than you and then everybody else i we needed more team members because we had we got accepted and we had three more slots to send people down to the neutral buoyancy lab to test it and so we sent out an email and this was my genius and it definitely worked from your perspective was <laughs> sending out a, an email with the nasa research opportunity uh for undergraduates in the subject line and then you just kind of reel them in and mm -hmm. then we got a bunch of new club members and that's how mark and i became friends <laughs> Yeah, and it, it was a bummer. We were set to, I mean, we were set to go mm -hmm. to the neutral buoyancy lab and uh, actually see everything. And then COVID happened and we weren't able to do that, which was a bummer. But regardless, I'm glad I joined the club. And actually, before you started describing that, I was going to ask you how you were eventually kind of put into this leadership role. And you've answered that. So now what I'll ask is now that you have found yourself in this leadership role, what have been your goals and like how have you been trying to transform the club also it's kind of crazy that like the club might have died with that oh yeah it was so like, it was you were like close. the one guy that ended up carrying it forward so so yeah go ahead 
Yeah. So that, yeah, that is a very good point. The club was, you know, very close to dying. There were a few meetings where it was like me and um, Ben, now Valerie, met up and uh, several people showed up and then we were, we had the next meeting and then it was just me and the other guy and we're like, well, I guess we can go over what this year's challenges are and kind of make a short list and then we'll see if we can recruit more people through like other things but it was just me and the other member and we're like well this is a little it was very awkward (laughs) especially when it was just me the other former member and then one freshman showed up uh it was super close to dying so from here that's kind of one thing that i'm trying my hardest to avoid and i'd like to kind of build up the club as something that has a little bit of um momentum like for example the aerospace club is pretty large club at unl or like baja and, and things like that that would kind of be having some dedicated lab space, having nice tools, maybe an in-house CNC, stuff like that, and having multiple research projects. Because um, the NASA Micro-G project is really fun, and you get a lot of good resume experience, but it'd be nice to have some time just to mess around and build things or have a, a different research project. Uh, and it's my goal for the club is to have it provide those engineering opportunities that students are coming into the university excited for, and provide them as early as possible. So we we try not to have any sort of barrier to entry. Like we don't really discriminate based on like what age you are. You can get involved with a project as, as soon as like your first semester freshman year. And that's what happened with me. Because um, a lot of stuff where a lot of the math and um, actual research methods we're doing in the club, you don't learn in your classes until like senior year, at which point you don't really have time to join a club or you're going to be graduating soon. So we try to give students, I'm trying to give students a head start in joining this and um, figuring out learning research methods, getting them um, building experience, manufacturing experience. Because my freshman year, I didn't really know anything about machining. And now I'm probably the, the veteran machinist on the uh, uh, the club. And I mm-hmm. that's kind of what I, I do for my, my lab. I, I'm the primary machinist over there. So kind of transferring those skills and getting kids who come and are disappointed about like, oh, I wanted to build things. I wanted to like work on robotics or whatever. And then they get stuck doing Calc 3 or stuck in a, a chem lab or just in English class. And right. they're like, well, I thought I was going to college to be an engineer, but this is all very boring. So I'm trying to kind of provide that opportunity um, as best I can for all the new students and just like and then make sure the club survives so that when I leave, it, it still exists and maybe we have some lab space and maybe we have some fun so we can get like club t-shirts or like when we want to do something fun, we have money that's not just grant money that we can spend. Say, oh, hey, we're going to have a club pizza night with this money that we fundraised or hey, we got some new tools. Come check them out, guys. Mm-hmm. And like teaching people how to weld is even within the realm of the club. Right, right. Uh, what initially drew me to the club and what I have been continually most impressed about the club is that. I mean, right when I got there, it was like, you're going to get involved and like, we are going to help you. And the other engineering clubs at UNL are great, but you have to be very, you have to be willing to put in the time and you have to be willing to kind of sit by and watch stuff before you're more or less like allowed to help because you don't know what's going on. And like you have to, you have to ask so many questions. But what I really liked about the club, it was like, once you showed up, everybody was like, who are you? What's your name? Everybody wanted to actually meet you and get to know you you know within like a couple weeks of me joining i was like helping some outreach stuff which is another thing i like about micro g is that nasa wants the micro g members and clubs throughout the united states to promote not only nasa but stem for kids and stuff and so we ended up going to a kids science fair like a public school science fair 
and talking about it and it was super cool seeing like the kids and talking about that and i i had to laugh so many times when like a kid would come up and i would be like hey have you heard of like the artemis program and like us going to the moon and some kids would be like whoa cool and other kids would be like oh yeah have you heard about like this satellite that they launched yesterday and then like this 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 and this and i was like <laughs> yeah. you know more than i do <laughs> you're yeah, exactly. like 11 years old so that's that's obviously um one of the best things that nasa does is that they get kids excited about you know science and stuff but and now moving forward uh having established red teams which is the over branching club that includes micro g it's even better now because people can suggest a new club and, st- and start something new and not have to worry about like oh we have to be file a constitution and, right. and have all the members and do a lot of paperwork or try and ask for funding initially like the idea is like we can kind of foster some new things even mm-hmm. if it's just like two people because like a project for two people you right now you kind of have to come up with your own money mm-hmm. um but if we have the idea is too to have seed money for new research projects so hey we, we got some some cash laying around if you want to do a project and have it as long as you're not going to waste the money and actually be productive and productive just means as far as like you're getting a good experience out of it right right also i really like the social aspect it's um kind of getting uh students in engineering college like to hang out with each other even more than just like working on their regular projects um and like in class you get to meet people who are like seniors in the college but um you also get to meet people who are like construction management majors like jose is construction management and then we have like we try to have club socials or a lot of times we even just go on tangents at the meetings and you say okay the actual meeting stuff is done now you're <laughs> welcome to leave but we're gonna mess around for a few more hours just sitting in the discord or whatever i really like the the social aspect i i don't think there's anyone who's joined the club that i dislike and i i like being able to share my knowledge that i had no idea about as a freshman with new students and kind of confine them and like combat any imposter syndrome that's like like I might be kind of good at some of this engineering stuff, but it's not just like, it's nothing, none of it is really anything that I learned from classes. It's like work experience and club experience and then just doing experience. Mm-hmm. I think just doing experience is probably the closest thing because I've been doing micro G for a while now. And then people are like, oh, you're so good at this technical writing or you're really good at SolidWorks. Um, actually, that's not true. I'm really good at Inventor. I don't, <laughs> I don't really use SolidWorks. But being able to get all these engineering students know people who are, in um, higher classes than them, you can ask them for help with your homework, or you can just say, hey, like, should I take this teacher, this teacher? Um, I, I think that's a really valuable aspect of the club. That's definitely been huge for me because, like, I've made plenty of friends in college, but for one reason or another, most of them are not engineers, <laughs> you know? So it was definitely cool having some engineering friends. So let's say there's someone listening to this podcast who is a freshman or sophomore at a school that isn't UNL and does not have an established micro G next program, but they want to start one, haven't heard this, what would be your suggestion on how to do that? Yeah, I would say, like, I think it's pretty much open application. There's the one stipulation is that you have to be a, uh, a U.S. citizen because it's a government program, but anyone can apply. You don't have to apply to apply. You can as long as you can write a proposal, um, every year NASA posts them. So if you just Google NASA micro G next, it'll come up and they'll they'll post all their deadlines and the new challenge descriptions. The ba- basic process is at the beginning, you submit a letter of intent. You say, hey, I'm from this university. The faculty knows that I'm going to do this. Uh, you just sign a waiver um, from your department or, 
or whoever your your faculty sponsor um so you need to find a faculty sponsor then you just say hey i'm gonna do this and then you write your best technical proposal on the challenge you are essentially trying to prove to them that it's it's worth their time to test your idea in their their project if you want to start a new micro g team you i'd say Step one, look for a professor who is at least somewhat interested in research. And most of them, they're more interested in research than what's in their classes. If you have a professor that you even kind of like, even if their class isn't that relevant, you say, hey, there's this uh, micro-G program. Go to their office hours when people aren't trying to solve their homework problems or just email about, about it. And say, hey, here's this program. I kind of want to start this. Does the department have any money where we could do this? Or um, like, could we... Uh, look look for grants. Um, there, there's um, grants floating around, or you can come up with your own fundraising for prototyping. There's just a lot of the projects you can even 3D print. You don't need that large of a project. I think we just chose an ambitious one because of my background in manufacturing. <laughs> but yeah, just find a faculty advisor and then um, find a challenge you want to do and recruit. You can even do it with three people. Um, my freshman year, the team that went only had two team members on it, and they were successful and got to go test their their stuff. Um, you really only need to be able to prove to NASA that you can develop your prototype well enough and then just make sure you're having regular meetings. And when you get stuck on a problem, think like, okay, how can I characterize this problem? Um, what can we do to prove that this is safe to use or what can we do to figure out how we test this? It's really, it is, it's a scientific process, but at the same time, like, engineering problems are a lot of times very qualitative so you just kind of have to make something work and if it works you just have to have some way of proving that either you did enough experiments that hey this isn't going to break or you did enough math that say hey it says it's not going to break and this experiment didn't break it yeah just find a faculty member and try and find people who are interested and you can even reach out to other teams because teams have online presences so for example this podcast uh, mark and i are both on the team we have a, a twitter account at Red Teams UNL, mm-hmm. um, you can reach out to them, and I think the Illinois Space Society also has a, a Twitter account. And yeah, just feel free to reach out and ask us for any help. We can we'd be happy to send you all of the previous proposals we submitted, ones that have failed and ones that have had uh, success. And yeah, just go for it. I'd say my my number one advice is go for it. Mm-hmm. And your initial steps are just finding people, find an advisor, and then uh, find people who want to work on it. And you can do it with a shoestring budget. Uh, and then once you get approved, you can get some money from NASA. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is even if this isn't specifically what you want to do as a young engineering student, just do something like get involved, get your hands dirty, get like start working on actual projects because otherwise you'll, you'll just get lost in the the fog of war that is engineering school <laughs> and you'll be you know focused like so much on on math and the next test right exactly that you'll kind of forget you know why you became an engineer in the first place and i think that that's something that micro g is good at reminding me i think a good thing too is you can get a lot of value out of failure and they always say mm-hmm. that in science like like a failed test isn't really a failed test it's just as valuable it's like I always say in our meetings, like, we learned one way not to make a light bulb, because there's that quote about uh, Thomas Edison, like, <laughs> he learned, like, a thousand ways not to uh, make a light bulb, and eventually he ran out of ways not to make a light bulb, so he had to make a light bulb. Um, so that's kind of our process, you know, fail early, fail often, and even if your initial proposal gets rejected, they give you feedback, and you can keep working on it, and uh, don't get discouraged if something's failed. Just find the value in it. Did you, you figured out what didn't work, and then from there you can kind of get a a little uh, tree of 
this idea is kind of based on the same principle, so it wouldn't really work, or like this is really what failed, but everything else didn't have a failure yet, so we can change that aspect and keep going. And you just got to be able to be willing to iterate and work with a lot of failure and keep changing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So Isaac, uh, to end this episode out, I'm going to ask you to, it's 2021. This is going to be, I think the second episode of 2021. So give me one goal for the club, either red teams, Husker V or micro G for 2021. And then one personal goal for yourself. I would say my my number one club goal is to get organized enough to be a a well-presenting RSO in the fall. 2021 spans the spring semester to the fall semester, so the Mm -hmm. beginning of next school year. So starting off, I'd I'd like to finish off this project, um, and if it goes well enough, you know, if NASA really likes our coring bit, that'd be fantastic. But I, I think what I would want more is kind of establish some lab space for the club in 2021, establish funding, establish consistent branding, and be able to carry on to next year. Because soon, I'm not going to be here, you're not going to be here. So kind of establish the club a little more formally so we can get new members and we can support them as much as we can. I'd say personally in 2021, I want to get more organized. Evan had a, um, who I would say is functionally like number two club administrator, had a realization um, when we were working on some budget items and uh, I found a deadline. He had a realization that I was not as organized as I seem. And I was very surprised uh, to find out that he thought I was organized. So my, my personal goal is to get more organized because I find I got my hands on a lot of things and I find I'm stressed often, but I think I have a lot of wasted time of just stressing and trying to to find things in stacks or just like organize my time so that that's probably my primary goal and then that can kind of shatter out where i have more time for all these things i'm trying to learn i would really like to be somewhat of a like and this sounds pretentious but like a a renaissance man but in the like crafty way where like anytime i want to make something i don't want like the skills that i've learned to limit me or really the skills that i haven't learned so i'm like i want to take up like uh some like digital skills so like getting really good at cad modeling but also like getting good at like sewing. I'm starting to learn how to sew because I'm very neurotic about um, my tastes. So like uh, making clothes that are specifically to what I want mm-hmm. um, is something that I'm doing. Or even like sewing doesn't just have to be clothes. It's like uh, I made my girlfriend a, a case for her Nintendo Switch for uh, Christmas, like stuff like that. My goal is to get organized so that all of the, I have time to do all those extra things besides like my obligations, where it's like my obligations are work and um school and the club then i can have time if i'm organized enough i can have time for these personal projects um to to grow and maybe work on my portfolio for product design without feeling guilty or without feeling like i'm neglecting one of those other three that are kind of essential to um moving on yeah to find the balance essentially yeah exactly awesome well isaac i'm glad i joined the club i'm glad i met you yeah and uh thanks for coming on the podcast it was great having you yeah it was it was great being here see you next time <laughs> thanks for tuning in and being part of ground control if you like this episode make sure to leave a review on apple podcasts or follow the podcast on spotify or whatever platform you're on make sure to do that platform's equivalent thing Isaac's podcast recommendation is 99% Invisible. 
This is a pretty popular podcast. I'm sure some of you have heard about it. Their description on Spotify reads as follows. Design is everywhere in our lives, perhaps most importantly in the places where we've stopped noticing. 99% Invisible is a weekly exploration of the process and power of design and architecture. That being said, the episode that I have listened to that I like the most was episode 389, Whomst Among Us Has Let the Dogs Out, which is the story of the song Who Let the Dogs Out, how it was written, who wrote it, and um, kind of the mystery behind it all. Stay safe, you guys. Have a great week, and I'll catch you next time.